do better than that. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's good to see each and every one of you here. And uh, praise the Lord. We've got a major announcement. Vision 2020 is complete and through. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We can do better than that. Amen. Vision 2020. You didn't hear me. Vision 2020. Now, if you remember, it was uh, September of, of 19 that we, with the elders, began to uh, pray and believe God for the $187,000 that it would take to pay this off so that we could build our student ministry center because we didn't want to incur any more debt than what we already had. And you know what? By, the, by a year's time, we had... Pretty much 90% of that debt was taken care of during COVID. During COVID. And uh, so then we greenlit the building. And of course, your sacrificial giving just continued to come in. And we were able to do just extraordinary things and are continuing to do. And uh, this is not the last project that we will ever have. This is uh, not uh, so... You know what? It's good seed to sow. You know that your money is going towards reaching lives. Last Wednesday night, we had five young people make first-time professions of faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, just had a wonderful, wonderful time. It, it, it's beginning to feel like home for the kids. I know it's a little awkward there because we're so used to uh, the other youth center, and, you know, it kind of has a feel to it. And I... When I went in there, I could sense that they were getting accustomed to it and liking their new quarters. It takes a little little while, but we haven't done everything there yet. Uh, we're going to have a grand opening in January. We're going to have a powerful time. We're actually going to have a full-fledged um, youth revival that's going to be going on uh, right after the first of the year. So very excited about that, excited about what God is doing. Amen? And I'm excited about what God's doing here this morning. How about you? So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I've entitled this uh, message called In Time Marriage. In Time Marriage. Now, when I went to Bible school, they told us four things, basically. Uh, when you did marriage, uh, we can't call it marriage counseling anymore, but when we do uh, marriage encouragement, <laughs> when we do marriage encouragement, we, you are likely to be confronted with four different things that would contribute to marriage distress, okay? It was going to be money being number one, uh, sex being number two, uh, belief our belief systems they called it religion in that time but really it's really not that at all it's belief systems one believes something different than the other there's different types of yoking and then children and uh, so I have found that to be true in almost 30 years 27 years of ministry and one of my primary roles as an associate for 12 years was marriage encouragement. And, uh, and I don't teach a lot on marriage because I got so burnt out on it when I, when I was at the other place uh, that I let other people do it. 
But the Lord has moved on Karen and I to make this a priority in the next year and, uh, and to move in, in the realm of the family. Now, some of the stuff that we've taught over the last few months is what I would consider dangerous stuff. It's dangerous stuff in the sense that the enemy doesn't want you to know these certain things, doesn't want you to know your authority, doesn't want to be revealed, doesn't want to be, um, you know, you get light on what he's doing. And he's raising a big ruckus in the church. How many of uh, uh, can I identify with that? He has in my life as well, but he's defeated. Amen. He's stripped. Amen. And it's just a sign of his impending doom that he is flailing and making all this stuff. I've, I've had a lot of people come in with, with marriage issues, financial issues, physical issues, issues within the home, issues within the business that are perplexing. It's not like they can pinpoint it to a decision that they've made. They can't pinpoint it to anything that, uh, any you know series of events. It's just an attack of the enemy. And so we've got to learn to stand in what we have been learning and begin to declare and begin to confess and begin to let him know that we are not in Adam. We are in Christ. Therefore, he has no authority over us. And we are going to stand and having done all, stand therefore. Amen. And we're going to win. I said we're going to win. Amen. So when I began to see these four aspects operate, I began to realize that there are certain common denominators in marriage trials and tribulations. Money is certainly a case. But like the primary colors, these four areas begin to mutate and begin to come in different variations and shades. And they can be um, enhanced by the times in which we live in. Because there are things that are facing families and facing relationships today that have never been in existence before. I mean, there are things that, I mean, goodness gracious, you know, your great-grandfather did not know the stress of social media, did not have any idea about what social media and how it uniformly alters our life and brings in more care, more anxiety. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. And we're stressed out and we've just looked at our phone. And of course, you know, you've got to understand that there is certain teachings that have come into the school system and our colleges and our, that do not contribute or do not validate traditional marriage our traditional ideas at all and those ideas begin to seep into our relationships begin to seep into our homes and we begin to see them played out in real time and they are not pleasant they are not pleasant at all uh, so I want us to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and we've looked at this scripture quite extensively, but I want to look at it again because I want to share some things that make, that we need to be ready for in the end times because we are living in the end times. 
And because we're living in the end times, we face situations in our marriages that are different. Now, the foundation is the same. Those four things are going to be the root of everything that we have. But they have been greatly enhanced, supercharged, if you will, and given steroids to be able to just go into these different areas that we're looking at. You know, we can talk about money, and majority of the fights that I ever had with Karen was the lack of it. That was the majority was the lack of money. But see, we're not... We need to understand that there are certain variations of that, like greed and covetousness and jealousy and envy that come from the love of money. And the love of money can cause more problems than the lack of money. Amen? When you look at sex and things of that nature, Majority, let's just be honest, majority of people, it's lack of, lack thereof, okay? Lack thereof of sex they fight about, okay? But then we get into our culture and society that is so sexualized that you can't look at your phone without seeing a scantily clad woman or some sexually suggestive post. You have access to pornography that I, as a child, as a teenager, did not have access to. You had to do the walk of shame if you were going to do that in my day, and you had to try to get a magazine from a newsstand and be embarrassed as you exchanged and paid money for it. So it was a kind of a walk of shame that discouraged you from getting into that. I did not have access to literally billions of pictures of sexualized acts at my fingertips. I didn't have that at all. In television, there were restrictions on sexual activity, far more than there were today. You had to go to R-rated movies to be able to see, you know, that kind of stuff be played out. Now it's PG-13. Now there's some PG that do that as well. And so we're constantly inundated with sexualized culture, and uh, it emanates and begins to mutate into all kinds of forms of sexual addiction, sexual deviancy, sexual crimes, rape, things like this. It's just, it just, in, now, your great-great-grandfather, listen, they, they had their freaky times too. So don't, don't, don't be sitting there saying the good old days. Listen, people were just as wicked back then as they are today. We just got more tools to use. And it seems like technology, which we deem a blessing, turns against us and we begin to get afflicted by it because it becomes our master rather than our slave. We're not using it for the right reasons anymore. All of a sudden it has us and we can't leave without our phone and we can't do anything without our phone and the first thing we do when we get up is grab our phone. And this was supposed to be a blessing to us. It seems as if culture is really we're, we're beginning to see 
the fulfillment of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, let's bypass God and let's act like God without having the capability to handle things as God. So it's kind of like, you know, I've said this before, it's kind of like God's power tools. My dad had a section in the garage where he put his power tools. This was not an area that I was encouraged to be in when I was young. Even older today, he tells me, stay away from my power tools. Okay? I have never been any kind of crafty person other than just being crafty in my mind. But as far as crafty, I make bird houses of horrors. Birds go in and they do not come out. Okay? So I was never given to that. So saws and blades and all this stuff, he just said, stay away from them. Or I had to wear my little padded uniform he gave me and walk around there. But see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, listen, you cannot handle this. You can't handle what I know. Let me disseminate it as I see fit. Let me give it to you, you know, through the tree of life. Let me give this to you through relationship. Let's walk through this. Well, what did Satan offer? Satan offered a shortcut. And said, you know what? The re- God's withholding from you. God's keeping that knowledge from you. You could be just like us. You could be just like me. You could be just like him. If you'll just partake of this. And so we bypass and we skip the tutelage. We skip the information. It's kind of like, you know, Christmas. We try to build the things without the information, without the directions. How many? I never look at the directions till I absolutely have to. And that's kind of the same attitude as we bypass the directions and the instructions of God and say, I can handle it. And so when it comes to, you know, sex and things of that nature, there are things I've set across from countless individuals over and over and over and over and over and over again that cannot handle sex, that cannot handle this culture, cannot handle technology, cannot handle information, cannot handle, they're greatly disturbed, they're hurt, they're scarred because what was meant to be a gift from God was perverted and twisted and bypassed and we didn't learn it through relationship with God and a trusting father. We threw ourselves in front of a computer. We threw ourselves into a relationship and we found ourselves abused and hurt and jaded and hard. You don't think that affects your walk with God? You don't think that affects your walk with your kids? You don't think that affects your walk with your significant other in your life? It absolutely does. Absolutely. As we have studied over and over again, we know that the kingdom of darkness is handing man the gun. And it's saying, you know, I already know what's on the inside of you. This is just going to help you bring it out a whole lot quicker. And that's what he's doing in our culture today. And that's why I call this end-time marriage. You've got to be ready 
for end-time marriage. Now, some of you that are single, some of you that have not been married for a long time, your spouse is in heaven, you're sitting there going, well, I'll skip this one. You know, I'll skip this one. I'll shut off. I don't think you need to shut off because you have grandchildren. And they're going to need to know this stuff. Amen? They're going to need to know this. There are a lot of things that I'm facing from my desk and every minister in the world is facing that other ministers and other generations never faced before. If you would have told me in 1990 that one of the main things that we were going to be talking about is sexual fluidity, I would have laughed at you. I would have laughed at you. That people would be absolutely confused about what gender they were. It, I would think, you're absolutely crazy. But it's been around forever. It just in American culture, it's kind of come to the forefront. Well, that's stuff that we're facing. Yeah. We're facing, you know, sexual, you know, questions, sexual confusion, you know, in regards to things. Well, the Bible has set forth, you know, the, the pattern for humanity. Okay? Civilizations change with cultures and times and ideas and ideologies. But God has set forth his pattern, his nucleus, from the systemic level as to how humanity is to operate. The reason why we're having trouble in these end times is we veered from that pattern. And we've taken in ideas that are not conducive to the way we were created to live. But we continue in our pride to try to push the square peg into the round hole. And we say, no, this is the way we think it should be done. Now, when I share some of these things, you can see clearly why some people on the side against this, and I'm using my language very carefully because I don't want to alienate anybody, would be afflicted by this information. Because we live in a postmodern world. That's what they want you to believe. You see, a postmodern world, a modernized, and I'll talk about that a little bit later here. But notice what it says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, verse 1, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Everybody say, course of this world. The course of the cosmos. Cosmos is system, order of arrangement. It means that it's not the earth. You're not walking in the course of the earth. You're walking in the course of the world. The, the world system, as we've taught you over and over and over and over again, is the system that was set up by the enemy to shroud God and to keep us from seeing the truth. It just gives us enough of a glimmer for us to feel like we're content and we're happy and we're okay with what we know so that we are in a sophisticated captivity in a cell that we don't know that there are bars and he keeps us within that confines, okay? And that's the world system, all right? So he says, according to the course. Now, if you look up that word in the Greek, it means set times are ideas of your society. Set times, of your, uh, set times that you are in 
and the ideas and philosophies of your generation and your society. Okay? So the world system's a lot like the matrix. You know, we've talked about this a little bit. It has upgrades. And every generation, there's an upgrade that these, you know, the kingdom of darkness begins to upgrade for every generation because their goal is to take us from innocence, which is what they did in the garden. They took us out of innocence and to take us into utter and total depravity to where death and, uh, and destruction are the only thing that is awaiting our lives. Is it okay to talk about this stuff? So he, he's taken us through this whole thing, and in order to get us to this place, they, he actually upgrades the system. So you're receiving of things that previous generations would not receive. You're okay with certain ideas and, and certain actions that other generations deemed cursed and that they would say, no, that is not right. You need to stay away from that. Now we've got parents saying, well, okay, honey, if that's what you believe, then you know, whatever will cause me to be comfortable in my household, if it's going to keep you from kicking and screaming and running off, then I'll just... And so there's just upgrades and upgrades and upgrades that, that, that he does. So it's the set time of culture. Now, I want you to know what the culture is. And we've talked extensively about it in, uh, in, the, in the, um, the craft. But we're going to look at it again, all right? I'm going to show you what the culture is, and then I'm going to contrast it with what the kingdom of God is and how we're to operate with the kingdom of God. The problem is... The, in our nation and around the world is that the nucleus of the family, the building block of the family, has been greatly compromised. And the whole purpose of it. Now, I'm going to say some things that might make you very mad, but that's okay. That's my job. All right? That's my job. All right? Because feminism has crept into the mainstream and into the church to where it has drawn us away from what is known as traditional marriage. Traditional marriage is marriage as the Bible states that it is. Now, we've got all different kinds of so-called marriage. We have modern marriage. We have postmodern marriage. Those are the two that are functioning right now. We have modern marriage and postmodern marriage. But then we have what is known as traditional marriage, or what we would say biblical marriage. And it's really, it, it is the only way marriage can work. You may have some success in the other forms of marriage, but if you're going to live marriage to the fullness that God meant for it to be, then you're going to have to go back to the original plan which means that some of the things that I'm sharing with you are going to be regarded in later times as hate speech. There's nothing absolutely more controversial than what I'm about to share with you right now. You would think it would be authority and cashing out demons and doing all the works of Jesus, but it's not. It's the simple fact that God created a man and woman to come together and be married and live under his auspices. That's offensive to people, absolutely offensive, to where they will kill you 
they will kill you dead, D-E-D, dead. <laughs> Over that. The riots in the streets that we have had are based upon these ideas of culture I am resisting you know they, they, they want to resist you see all male forms of leadership because I'm just going to tell you something that's going to rub some of you the wrong way God is male I don't know if this side got that. <laughs> I'll say it one more. God is male. Amen. That's hard for people to take. They take it and... <laughs> I can't take that. Because we just had this feminism, this spirit of feminism where man... You know, you look at Hollywood movies... The dad is the dumbest person in the movie. He has no answers whatsoever. None. The wife is always the resourceful one, the one that comes up with the solution to the problem. Dad's frustrated, doesn't get along with the kids, the kid's hating. But everybody loves mama. There's a reason for that, guys. There's a reason for that. Okay? All right. Now, I'm going to have to put a little asterisk here, and I'm going to have to tell you that I'm not here to bring up your past. I'm not here to condemn you for anything you're going through. The reason for why I'm sharing this information is for your benefit of learning and to where we teach the biblical idea of marriage in this context of the end times so that you can be equipped to be able to stand in the evil day because there is evil days ahead. And uh, so I'm not here, if you've went through a divorce, I'm not here to point the finger at you. I'm not here to point out your failings. I'm not here. God's grace is sufficient. Amen. And His blood has Amen. washed you and cleansed you from all sin. I am not standing in judgment over your marriage situation. That is not why I'm here. I'm here to help you. But many people and demons that sit with you will try to tell you that I am attacking you, that I'm attacking you and attacking what you went through. Nothing could be further from the truth. I bind that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And we command them to leave the premises right now in the name of Jesus. So we're going to look at the culture because there's some interesting things that have come up. I, I sat down and uh, just began to write uh, some of the interesting things that we have had to deal with in the end times that I think are definitely, um, you know, different. And, and some of them are, are very, very, they're, like I said, they're, they're variations of the original four that I shared with you. But you're looking at all kinds of different things, such as soul ties, and you're, you're dealing with authority issues. One of the ma major uh, areas of conflict are authority issues, and, and that stems from beliefs. That stems from beliefs. 
because in our culture, we, we're so promiscuous that we don't think, and even in the church, we don't think that sleeping around is wrong. We think we need to try the merchandise, you know, before we make, uh, we, we, come on, we, I'm serious. And, and we just are, are so loose with our bodies in regards to giving, it, giving them, the, them away that, you know, the integrity within marriage is greatly compromised. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you exchange, you're not just exchanging a physical interaction. You're creating a soul tie that a spirit can get a hold of and manipulate you throughout your life. You know? The, the emotional baggage of previous relationships, the fact that we have more and more people getting married multiple times, it lends itself to these soul ties coming into the house. Actually, you know, a person cannot be truly cut off from that person, and you actually move in with a ghost entity of a person's ex. Our exes, our baby daddies, our sugar mamas. Hello? And it's complicated where, where generally you would see, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, divorce was on the rise. And in the United States of America, we fluctuate from 40 to 50%. That all first-time marriages usually end, 40 to 50% of them usually end in divorce. It fluctuates back and forth. Okay? The, uh, the, in the United States of America, Oklahoma is second. The good old Bible Belt. ORU and Rama and the mega churches. Second. You know what they're second to? Nevada. Now, isn't that a horrible picture? Las Vegas, Nevada, where you get married by Elvis. <laughs> Think about that. The, the median age for divorce is 30, for first-time divorce, 30. The worst years are from five to seven. These are statistics. Five years to seven years. We, my mom and dad used to call it the seven-year itch. Okay? Five to seven years. Okay? Um, we are, you know, second marriages. You're looking at... A 57 to 60 percent divorce rate. Third marriages, it goes up in the 70s. So, what does that tell us? We didn't learn the lesson. We think a new relationship is going to solve our problem, but we're taking the same old ragged self into. I was talking with the Rogers uh, yesterday as we were looking at 
you know, some of the things with the media and I was talking to their son and and I just said, now listen, you got to understand, men love women, but women love children. You've got to understand that when a man sees a woman, he says, man, she's fine, she's everything I'm looking for. When a woman sees a man, she says, I think I can make him better. Are these two things right? They're right, but they're not necessarily steeped in what the Word of God says. Amen? So you're looking at all kinds of different things. Media overstimulation. Trying to raise godly kids in a godless society. I mean, these are, these are very, very tough things. Busyness. That's, that's one of the main things is is absolute and utter busyness, okay? So let's look at what the culture is. We looked at it in 2 Timothy. Let's look over there again as we looked at the craft. See, I don't want you to operate in any more pain than you already have, <laughs> you know? But that requires you to answer the questions now. See, the whole key is to be proactive and answer the questions now before they're even asked answer them within yourself this is what I believe this is what I'm going to you know do in this situation okay answer the questions now am I going to follow the biblical pattern for marriage because see that starts while you're single if you're going to follow the biblical pattern you can't give yourself away to just everybody Because you're basically setting things up. I mean, they didn't want to go to the altar with you and five other guys. They don't want to go up to the altar with you and four other girls or seven other girls or all of your, you know, all of your exploits, sowing your wild oats. They don't want that. That's not honoring to them. Well, I don't know who they are. Well, you know what? Believe God. Hello. Because I'm telling you, I've sat across from people that constantly compare themselves with people that they've been with before. They had a breakup or someone left their life. Maybe they weren't married, but they were sexually active. And then they're crying and whining because their current spouse doesn't measure up to the telling you we live in a world that it's just open season we'll just do whatever the bible says do we won't do it we just we're just going to rail against it but we're going to lift our hands and praise god and act like everything's okay the lord will forgive you that's true the blood of jesus will cleanse you and he'll regenerate you and you can walk in newness of life and you can have the marriage that god intended for you to have his grace is sufficient his ability is there. But it's the stuff you're wrestling with in your head. 
rejection and hurt and pain that come from relationships that you shouldn't even been in. You just thought it'd be fun. Or maybe you took some kind of substance that causes you to lose yourself. Hello? Listen, it's hard enough raising kids with two people that weren't married before. I mean, it, it's difficult. I mean, what I want to do in a situation is not what Karen wants to do. And what Karen wants to do in a situation is not what I want to do. Oh, you need to, it's either, we're either on one side or the other. Oh, be easy on them. No, you need to be hard. We need to be harder on them. No, we need to be easier. And it varies. It varies from situation to situation. You get a blended family, and that's not their dad. You're not their daddy, and you're not their mama. And I'm not against second marriages. I'm not against third marriages. I'm not against blended families. But if Christ is not the center of a blended family, it will not last. There, there are times in which Karen will say, that's your child. <laughs> now think about if that was the truth physically how people would leverage that. Hello. And you got all kinds of problems. I can tell you something. My mom, she wasn't someone that was called a, a very spiritual person, so to speak. But you know, when, when, when my dad came into my my stepdad came into my life, I, I'd never called him. If I called him stepdad... Well, I wouldn't be here to even talk to you right now. <laughs> Hello. I mean, we just weren't allowed to do that. He's, this, is, this is Dad. This ain't Frank and Bob and Benny. I remember Pastor David used to say this. He said the word stepchild is not in the Bible. But see, blended family, that's one of the things, the end time, end time marriage. You've got second, third, and fourth marriages going on in people's lives. You know, you've got to know that Jesus is the answer for all of it. Jesus is the answer for, for first-time marriage. Jesus is the answer for second-time marriage. Jesus is the answer for third-time marriage. Jesus is the answer for fourth. Or however, if, if you want to be Elizabeth Taylor, he's still the answer. <laughs> Whether or not you take advantage of that is up to you. Amen? Okay. Now notice this, verse 1. But understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will what? Be lovers of themselves. What are we seeing on TikTok? Oh, yeah. oh my goodness gracious. I'd be embarrassed when I was a teen to do some of the things that people do on TikTok. I, would, I didn't have that kind of self-confidence to even put some of that stuff. Even if I was a girl, you know, to shake your rump, you know, for 60-year-old men in their mother's basement. Because that's who's watching that stuff. Weirdos. Weirdos. Watching you do, do this and sing your little rap songs and stuff like that. 
And, 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 and guys, you're just as bad. The language... The stupid tricks you pull on one another? Come on. I mean, it's just stupidity on ice. And, uh, you know, we live in a narcissistic culture. God's design of marriage does not work in narcissism. You can't be a narcissist and be successfully married. You just can't be it. There's just absolutely no way. You're going to be married multiple times. <laughs> And you will never be happy because you live for yourself. You live for you. And then it goes on and says lovers of money. Well, you know what? Money's the primary reason why people get divorced. The lack of it. Sometimes too much of it. Sometimes people just get bored. They have money. There's no struggle anymore. And they just get bored. So they get into vices. They get into pornography. They get into all kinds of different things. You see, the devil, if he doesn't make you busy, he'll make you bored. He loves to play those two extremes. He wants you either so busy you can't get with God, you can't seek God, or he wants you so bored to where it feels like pain to you. I got to get out of here. I got to stop this. This ain't working for me. You know what? I'm bored. We used to have fun. We used to do things. Hello, that spirit's tried to get on me many times over my lifetime. It gets on all of us. I've been married for 36 years. I've been with my wife for 38 years. We were high school sweethearts. Married at 18. First five years, we struggled. We struggled until Jesus came in and we submitted ourselves to godly marriage. Because we weren't. I wasn't leading. <coughs> Karen wanted me to lead, but she didn't trust me to lead, so she led. We did that for five years. It was rough. It was rough. Thank God, God's grace and mercy. But notice this, okay? It says right here, they're, they're proud. Pride. What's the number one reason for the pride? Somebody's not going to bend their way at all. I'm going to do what I want to do, and you, you're not going to stop me. Okay? Proud, arrogant, abusive. There's a lot of abuse in, in relationships. Disobedient to their parents. It all started in the home, did it not? It all starts in the home. How they, You know, when you go and you meet your prospective spouse or they take you to see their parents you need to study that interaction you need to study that interaction if they're throwing food at one another at the table and cussing one another and stuff you need to realize that that's going to be your dinner table in about five to five to ten <laughs> about five to ten that's going to be you because children mimic their parents. Boy, this is... I, you want me to go back to the craft? <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious, okay? All right, we, we can go back there if you want to. I'm, I'm feeling the need for speed. Um, 
who says ungrateful I mean a lack of gratitude people don't have gratitude towards their spouse there's been times that I have been exceptionally ungrateful for Karen and it, 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 it makes you absolutely miserable You know, I made it a daily thing to lift my hands and praise God for my spouse. Praise God for Karen. And to say, thank you so much. She's the greatest gift that you've given me on this earth. I'm so grateful. But there's a lack of general gratitude. When you live in a narcissistic culture, when you live in a postmodern mindset, there's no absolute truth. And in fact... Postmodern ideology states that family is more of a revealing of oneself. So it's all about me. I don't see my dad as my dad as a person. I see my dad in regards to how I feel about me. Oh, you're not getting you're not getting this. This is this is seeped into the into the marriage and that's the reason why there's problems it's about me about my feelings about how I feel about things about my way my dreams my desires and that is not biblical marriage because if you attack something at the systemic level you're going to corrupt the whole thing it's going to cause the foundations to be destroyed you go against the nucleus you go against the center and you go against marriage the way that it was intended, it isn't going to work. You might have a buddy-buddy system going on. You might have a roommate system going on, but you don't have a marriage. What God intended. Amen? See, these people arrogant they're abusive they're disobedient parents ungrateful unholy they're not separated you know, it's not just talking about separation to God but separation for one another I mean when I get married I am I'm hers I can't go out and, and, and do things and, 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 and allow people to come into areas of my life those are things that are cordoned off and are clearly Hers and 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 one of the main reasons for divorce today, I read in a statistic, is lack of commitment. Lack of commitment, guys. Lack of commitment. Not adultery, although it leads to adultery, but lack of commitment. Just someone that just isn't committed to the relationship at all. Always got the back door. Always looking for the way out. Never putting 100% of themselves into anything that is done. Like a commitment. Well, I've been hurt before. Well, guess what? The blood of Jesus. The power. Come on now. Do we believe this or not? If not, let's just throw it out. The, let's, there's a trash can over there. What we'll do is we'll go out that door and we'll throw these in the trash. Do we believe it or not? Well, if we say we believe it, then we must walk in it. Amen? 
walk in this stuff. That's the whole reason for the Bible is to teach you to walk in stuff. Not just so that you can have a big head and know everything that's in here. No, you're supposed to walk it out. Amen? Okay, they're heartless, unappeasable. I've heard heartless quite a bit. She's heartless. He's heartless. Heartless, okay? Um, goodness, there's a big long list. Unappeasable. Well, I just can't seem to do anything right. They're unappeasable. I mean, they, you know, I do it and it ain't right. So I just quit. I just said, the heck with this. I'm done. Closed. People live years like that. Well, I can't, I can't make them happy. I can't make them spirit of the age. It's the spirit of the age, unappeasable, uh, slanderous. I'm telling you what, for people to be in covenant with one another and to talk the way they do about one another and to one another, slanderous spirit, just bringing up the dirt, just bringing it up, just throwing them under the bus. Most people don't use marriage counseling or marriage encouragement to find answers. What they're looking for is someone to agree with them that their spouse is the rotten scoundrel that they think and say they are. They're wanting an audience to their complaint and validation that what okay all right it'll be over in a minute okay this is going to be good this is good this is good vegetables good vegetables just you know bring you an entree vegetables just all through there just good hearty stuff just gets in and cleans the bowels right out. All that stuff you're full of, it just pushes it right out. Amen? Okay? Without self-control. Brutal. Not loving good. Treacherous. Reckless swollen with conceit lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God and then their spiritual life is they have a form of godliness but they deny the power they just go through religious exercise they come to church but yet the word of God does not penetrate their lives does not help them and assist them now let's go over to my last scripture for the day 1 Corinthians chapter 13 1 Corinthians chapter 13 now I intended to go through the creation of the marriage and I will because I think it's vital and important for us to understand now we'll only have one service next week because of the holiday weekend so we'll have a 9 o'clock service so I, 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 I don't think well I can skip out now well you don't want to skip out 
because you got to know what the nucleus is. If you're going to know what the nucleus is, if you've got plans to be married, you need to know what it is. If you're married, you need to know what it is. If you're a grandma and your husband or your uh, wife is in heaven and you don't plan on getting married, you're going to have grandchildren. You're going to have people that come, Grandma, how did you do this? How did you do that? And you can say, it's not so much what I did, it's what the Bible says. Amen? Amen? But notice this, the contrast, the contrast of the culture that we live in, the postmodern culture that we live in, compared to God's character and nature and what he has put within us. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So when you were born again, you, when you got God, you got love because God is love. So love is, you are a love creation by a love God. So you can operate at a higher level of love. And that's what you need to learn that the greater one on the inside of you is love. Love. And love is what overcomes. Love is what never fails. But people want to continue to operate in human love. They want to operate and base their relationships on the other types of love. And there are other types of love. But the only love that is going to cause you to have the marriage God intended is what is known as agape love. And agape love is different than the other types of love. You have eros love, which is sexual love. You have storge, which is kind of a familiar, familiar love, familiar love, love of family. You know, you have, you know, the various types of love that are in the Bible. But when God talks about the love that you and I are to operate in, and in this chapter, he's talking about agape love. Now, this word was not used widely in Greek culture because they couldn't define it. They couldn't define it. The only way they were able to define it for the New Testament is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It defined agape love. And that was the only definition, and it is the only definition, is that a man would lay down his life for his friends, that he would give up, that the innocent would die for the guilty. And we are called to do that in our relationships. We are called to seek another person's wealth. We are called to look after the business of others and to help and aid others and to get our eyes off of ourselves. We are supposed to be agape lovers. And agape lovers are not lovers by emotion and not lovers because it feels good, but we love because we choose by an act of our will to love this person the way God tells us to love this person. And that means that it goes against all of my emotional baggage, all the emotional junk, all of the feelings and all of the, you know, offenses and things of that nature. I choose to love. And through Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, you have been given the ability to love in this manner. You were not able to do it with the sin nature. The sin nature did not know what agape love was. 
but you've got divine life on the inside of you. That means that you have a resource on the inside of you that will stay every trial, that will stay everything that you face, all opposition. You can overcome through the love of God. But look at the contrast. Look at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have agape love, I am noisy. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He said, listen, you can t say that you feed the poor. You can say that you, uh, you know, believe in, in helping this, these people. or You know, like they use that, like there's different kinds of people. But they'll, you know, I'm, I'm helping these people. I'm, I'm clothing. I'm doing all this. But you don't have agape love? You're just a clanging symbol. And the only reason why you're clanging is because you want people to look at you. Wearing your shirts and your... Oh, come on, guys. If I need a shirt... To tell you who I am, then I'm not very much of that, am I? People should walk in, they should know who you are. No need to wear a bracelet. All you're doing is drawing attention to yourself. You want people to say, I see that shirt. I see that. tell you we're ridiculous we are ridiculous people myself included we are ridiculous we think putting a little icon on our Facebook page makes us think that we're fully 100% supportive we're making a difference I clicked on the icon and I am making a difference clang 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 Hello. Agape love goes to the nursing home. Agape love goes to the jails. Agape love goes to the streets. Agape love goes out to the last, the lost, and the least. Okay, it's about over. Okay. And if I have uh, prophetic powers, and this is real big, there's people... It's almost like put a quarter in, I'll give you a prophecy, you know. And I'll tell you, people, listen, the sign of maturity is not prophecy. The sign of maturity is not gifts of healings. The sign of maturity is not you operating the gifts of spirit. You don't earn those anyway. They're works of grace. God does them as he wills. That has nothing to do with you. But yet, we deem spiritual maturity on that. God deems spiritual maturity on how much agape love is flowing through your life. Amen. How much agape love. Notice what it says. It says, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I can be puffed up in my head. 
and if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Remember, Jesus talked about that kind of faith, but I don't have love. He says what? I am nothing. I am nothing. Now, notice this. Here's the contrast. Well, next one he says, If I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. There are people that serve God, and they don't even love. They don't even love the people they're serving, and they, they're just doing it for attention, doing it, look at me, trying to get God's favor by our works. Notice what it says, love. Now, when you say that, when you see this, you've got to put God there because God is what? God is love. All right? So we can see that the characteristic of God is, is defined in these scriptures I'm about to read. That's good news because you've got to know the God that you serve. And guess what? The first thing, he's patient. Now, does that resemble that list we just read from 2 Timothy chapter 3? Does that even look like that? Does that even compare to that? Unappeasable, lack self-control? No, it's in direct contrast to that. It says love is patient and love is kind. It doesn't say love is nice. Nice is manipulation. Nice is put on a mask. Nice is put a smile on and want to cut you up inside my head nice no kind 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 love is kind amen love does not envy or boast it's not looking at other people's stuff and wanting it it's not covetous it's not jealous but it doesn't boast either when it's when you know it weeps with those who weep and it rejoices with those who rejoice Listen, there's a lot of people that will cry with you, but there's not a lot of people that will celebrate with you. But agape love will celebrate when you got the promotion that, they were, that you were up for, and they got the promotion, and you celebrate with them. Why? Because God is my source, and I choose, in this situation, I choose to love. Amen? Now, I'm telling you, if you take this into your marriage or your relationship, and some of you are single and young and, uh, you know, may have been married before and are looking to get married again because you're young and attractive and God's gift to the planet, you need to get into this chapter. You need to meditate on this chapter and get cultivated in this and allow this to begin to grow in your life. It says, love's not rude. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Oh, my goodness gracious, right there. Doesn't insist on its own way. Well, I'm telling you, people insist on their own way. You got two gods trying to rule the universe in one house. Talked about that, didn't we? And they try to bring about their will. My will be done. Is not irritable or resentful. Hmm, some of you were irritable and resentful on the way here. <laughs> some of you are irritable and resentful on the way out. Hello. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. 
but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Well, this is just too hard. I don't think that I can, I can handle this, you know. I just don't think I can handle him. I don't think I can handle her anymore. No, love bears up all things. Agape love is the love of will. It's the love of choice. It means I willingly decide to love you. That's how God loves us. He doesn't have mushy feelings over you. He decided because it's his character. You decide because it's your character if you're born again. You have the character of God on the inside of you. You have this love living and residing on the inside of you. You've got to release it. And one way to release it, you've got to be aware of it, okay? Believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The King James Version says love believes the best. When you hear a report or you hear some form of gossip, you say, well, I don't believe that. I believe that they're better than that. I believe they wouldn't do that. Even when the enemy's harassing you about your spouse. That's what he'll do. He'll harass me. Yes. He'll say, you know, and I'll just say, no. My wife reads her Bible every morning. She loves the Lord. And I'll just talk right to him. She loves the Lord. She, she's, she, wouldn't, you know, she might fail me, but she, 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 she would never set herself out to fail the Lord. And because of that, I can be secure in my relationship with her. Do you, do you understand how that works? Love believes the best. Well, did you hear about Daniel? Did you hear about, you know, uh, Rebecca? Did you hear about Greg? Instead of getting all juicy and wanting to, wanting to know every, you know, just like you're sitting under a wah. <laughs> just say, no, I'm... You know what? Those are my friends. I love them. And they've been good to me. And you know what? I wouldn't believe it until they tell me face to face. I'm not going to believe that stuff. I'm not going to believe what you're saying. People wanting you to make a judgment call on somebody. Wanting to bring it up. What well, did you hear about so and so and so and so? And what's going on there? You need to stop them. You say, you know what? Love believes the best. And I choose to believe the best. You don't need that junk. You don't need that junk in your head. Oh, there's people, they love to do that. Endures all things. Next, next word. Love never what? Love never fails. When we operate in agape love, the love that has been shed abroad in our hearts, we can never fail. That doesn't mean we're not going to be in bad circumstances. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face opposition, test, or trial. doesn't mean any of that. You're going to face it. The Bible says very clearly that they that are married shall have trouble in the flesh. And all married people or people that have been married say amen. amen. You're going to have trouble in the flesh. There's no doubt about it. But that shows you where marriage...